0: The following book by Thomas Watson is called The Mischief of Sin. Christian Reader The excess of impiety which has broken down the banks of common civility and modesty at first led my thoughts to these ensuing subjects. The spirits of men are leavened with atheism, and their lives are stained with debauchery. I do not know what to call them but baptized heathens. I am sure the floods of sin are risen even to a deluge. There is a generation among us of whom I may say that they militate against religion. They are so exceedingly profane that they esteem the Bible to be a fable and would year all holiness out of the world. The prince of the power of the air now works in the children of disobedience, Ephesians 2 verse 2. In our Savior's time, many men's bodies were possessed with demons. But now people's souls are possessed. One is possessed with a blasphemous devil, another with a spiteful devil, another with a drunken devil. This is one great sign of the approach of the last day. Iniquity shall abound, Matthew 24, verse 12. Men's lusts have grown fierce and insatiable, and like vipers, lie sucking them. But oh, how dire and tremendous will the effects of sin be. They were brought low for their iniquity. Sin is such a trade that whoever follows is sure to go bankrupt. What did Achan get by his wedge of gold? It was a wedge to cleave asunder his soul from God. What did Judas get by his treason? He purchased a halter. What did King Ahaz get by worshipping the gods of Damascus? They were the ruin of him and all Israel. 2 Chronicles 28 verse 23 Sin is first pleasant, and then tragic. I may fitly apply those words of Solomon to sin, Proverbs 7, verse 26. She has cast down many wounded. Oh, what a harvest of souls is the devil likely to have, Isaiah 5, verse 14. Hell has enlarged itself. It is greedy to make room for its guests. It is a matter of grief to think that the dragon should have so many followers and the Lamb so few. Scipion brings in the devil insulting Christ thus, quote, As for my followers, I never died for them as Christ has died for his. I never promise them as great a reward as Christ has done to his, yet I have greater numbers than he, and my followers venture more for me than his do for him, end quote. Some sin out of ignorance, but even the blind can find the way to hell. But most sin out of choice. They know the forbidden dish, but they lust after it. Though in the day they eat thereof, they shall surely die. My design in a small treatise is to give check to sinners and sound a pious retreat in their ears to make them return from the hot pursuit of their impieties. If notwithstanding all my admonitions, they will run counter to the word of God and prostitute themselves to their sordid lusts They are soul suicides, and their blood will be upon their own head. God will say to them in anger, if you die, you die. If you are killed, you are killed. Zechariah 11 verse 9. I have, at the request of some friends, made this discourse public. I acknowledge it is not inflated with rhetorical huffing and puffing, embellished with flowers of eloquence. Paul's preaching was not with enticing words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 Plainness is ever best in beating down sin. When a wound festers, it is fitter to lance it than to cover it with silk. Reader The God will bless these few meditations to you and make them operative upon your heart as a prayer of him who is your friend and studious of your eternal welfare. Thomas Watson Sin brings a person low, and they were brought low for their iniquities, Psalm 106, verse 43. If the scripture is a spiritual garden, as Chrysostom said, the book of Psalms is a choice knoll in this garden, set with fragrant flowers. Luther called the Psalms a little Bible. The Psalms make sweeter music than ever David's harp did. They are calculated for every Christian's condition and may serve either for illumination or consolation. In this psalm, David sets down the sins of the people of God. First, their sins in general. Verse 6. We have sinned with our fathers. The examples of fathers are not always to be urged. Shall we not be wiser than our fathers? Fathers may err. Sometimes it is better for a son to take his land from his father than take his religion from his father. 2 Chronicles 29, verse 6. Second, David makes a particular enumeration of their sins, number one. Their forgetfulness of God, verse 13. They soon forgot his works. Or, as it is in the original, they made haste to forget his works. The Lord wrought a famous miracle for them, verse 11. He drowned Israel's enemies, and Israel drowned his mercies. Our sins and God's kindnesses are apt quickly to slip out of our memory. We deal with God's mercies as with flowers. When they are fresh, we smell them and put them in our bosom. But within a while, we throw them away and mind them no more. They made haste to forget his works. Number two, their inordinate lusting. Verse 14, they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. They were weary of the provision which God sent them miraculously from heaven. They grew dainty. They wept for quails. They were not content that God should supply their needs, but they would have them satisfy their lusts also. God let them have their request. They had quails, but in anger. He sent leanness to their souls. In other words, he sent a plague in which they pined and consumed away. Number three, their idolatry. Verse 19, they made a calf in Horeb. They framed for themselves a the god of gold and worshipped it. The scripture calls idols a shame, Hosea 9, verse 10. For this, God disclaimed them from being his people, Exodus 32, verse 2. Your people have corrupted themselves. Formerly, God called them his people, but now he does not say to Moses, My people, but your people. Number 4. Their infidelity, verse 24. They did not believe his word, but murmured. They did not think that God would subdue their enemies and bring them into that pleasant land which flowed with milk and honey. And this unbelief broke forth into murmuring. They wished they had made their graves in Egypt, Exodus 16, verse 3. When men begin to distrust God's promise, then they quarrel at his providence. When faith grows low, murmuring grows high. For these things, God stretched out his hand against them, as it is in the text, and they were brought low for iniquity. The words branched themselves into two parts. First, Israel's misery. They were brought low. Some expositors translate it, they waxed lean. The Hebrew and Septuagint render it, they were humbled. Number two, the procuring cause of it for their iniquity doctrine the proposition resulting from the text is that sin brings a person low psalm 147 verse 6 the wicked he cast down to the ground jessa said to his daughter when she met them with timbrel and dancing judges 11 verse 35 alas my daughter you have brought me very low so a man may say to his sin alas my sin you have brought me very low sin is a great leveler it brings a family low It cuts off the pillars of the family, 1 Samuel 2, verse 29. Why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings, verse 31? I will put an end to your family, so it will no longer serve as my priests. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will live to a ripe old age, which threatening God made good when he cut off Eli's two sons and took the other sons from the priesthood. Sin brings a kingdom low, 1 Samuel 15, verse 19. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but did evil in a sight, verse 28. The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day. Sin breaks the foundation of church and state, Hosea 13, verse 1. When Ephraim spoke, men trembled. He was exalted in Israel, but he became guilty of Baal, worship, and died. The tribe of Ephraim carried a majesty with it and was superior to the ten tribes. When Ephraim spoke, he struck an awe and terror into others, but when he became guilty of Baal worship, he died. When once he fell from God by idolatry, he degraded himself of his honor. His strength and glory came to nothing. Now every puny adversary insulted him, as a timid rabbit will tread upon a dead lion." Among the many threatenings against sin is Deuteronomy 28, verse 43. Ye shall sink lower and lower, and in the text the threatening is exemplified and made good. They were brought low for their iniquity. That I may amplify and illustrate the proposition, I shall show how many ways sin brings a man low. Why sin must bring a man low. Ways which sin brings a man low. First, Sin brings a man low in God's esteem. The sinner sets a high price upon himself, Proverbs 26, verse 16, but God has low thoughts of him and looks upon him with a despicable eye, Daniel eleven, twenty-one. The next to come to power will be a despicable man. Who was this spoken of? It was Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a king, and his name signifies illustrious, and by some he was worshipped. Yet in God's account, he was a despicable person. The psalmist speaking of the wicked says, All alike have become corrupt. Psalm 14, verse 3. In the Hebrew it is, they are become stinking. That you may see how low a sinner has fallen in God's account, the Lord compares them to dross. Psalm 119, verse 119. To chaff. Psalm 1, verse 4. To a pot boiling with scum. Ezekiel 24, verse 6. To a dog, Second Peter 2, verse 22, which under the law was unclean. To a serpent, Matthew 23, verse 33, which is a cursed creature. Nay, he is worse than a serpent, for the poison of a serpent is what God has put into it. But a wicked man has that which the devil has put into him, Acts 5, verse 3. Why has Satan filled your heart? A sinner has a high opinion of himself, but if he knew how loathsome and disfigured he was in God's eye, he would abhor himself in the dust. Number 2. Sin brings a man low in his intellectual parts. Sin has ruined the rational part. Darkness is upon the face of this deep. Since the fall, the lamp of reason burns dim. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9. We know but in part there are many knots in nature which are not easy to untie. Why should denial overflow in summer when by the course of nature waters are lowest? Why should the lodestone rather draw iron than gold, which is a more noble metal? Where is the path to the origin of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created the channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Job 38 verses 24 and 25 how do the bones grow in the womb? Ecclesiastes 11.5 Many of these are mysteries which we do not understand. The key of knowledge is lost in the tree of knowledge. We are especially enveloped with ignorance and sacred manners. The sword is upon our right eye. Zechariah 11 verse 16 What a little of the sea will a nutshell hold? How little of God will our intellect contain? Job 11 verse 7 can you find out the Almighty to perfection? Who can fully unriddle the mystery of the Trinity or fathom the mystery of the divine and human natures of Christ? And alas, as to the plan of salvation and heart-transforming knowledge, we are totally blinded until God's Spirit lights our lamp. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Number three, sin brings a man low in affliction. That is the meaning of Psalm 107, verse 39. They were brought low for their iniquity. Adam's sin brought him low. It banished him out of paradise. Second Chronicles 28, verse 18. In those days, God cut Israel short. Sin makes God cut a people short in their spiritual and civil liberties. Sin is a womb of sorrow and the grave of comfort. Sin turns a body into a hospital it causes fevers, ulcers, and cancers. Sin buries a name, melts the estate, pulls away near relations like limbs from our body. Sin is a Trojan horse out of which a whole troop of afflictions comes. Sin drowned the old world and burnt Sodom. Sin made Zion sin in Babylon. Lamentations 1 verse 8 Jerusalem has gravely sinned, therefore she is removed. Sin shut up God's affections, Lamentations 2, verse 21. You have killed and not pitied. Israel sinned and did not repent, and God killed and did not pity. Sin is a great humbler. Did not David's sin bring him low? Psalm 38, verse 3. There is no rest in my bones because of my sin. Did not Manasseh's sin bring him low? It changed his royal crown into fetters. 2 Chronicles 33, verse 11. For sin... God turned great King Nebuchadnezzar into an animal. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. Daniel four verse thirty three Sin is like the Egyptian reed too feeble to support us, but sharp enough to wound us. Jeremiah two verse sixteen Egyptians have utterly destroyed Israel's glory and power. The Egyptians were not a warlike, but a womanish people, imbecilic and weak. Yet these were too hard for Israel and made a spoil of her. Verse 17. Have you not brought this on yourselves by forsaking the Lord your God? Is it not your sin which has brought you low? Nay, sin not only brings us low, but it embitters affliction. Sin puts teeth into the affliction. Guilt makes affliction heavy. A little water is heavy in a lead vessel, and a little affliction is heavy in a guilty conscience. 4. Sin Brings One Low in Melancholy This is a black humor seated chiefly in the mind. Some have dreadful and dismal forebodings. Melancholy clothes the mind in sable. It puts a Christian out of tune so that he is not fit for prayer or praise. Loose strings will not sound when wet, nor can one under the power of melancholy make melody in his heart to the Lord. Ephesians 5.19. When the mind is troubled, it is unfit to go about work. Melancholy disturbs reason and weakens faith. Satan works much on this temper. It is a bath of the devil. He bathes himself with delight in such a person. Through the black spectacles of melancholy, everything appears black. When a Christian looks upon sin, he says, this Leviathan will devour me. When he looks upon ordinances, these will serve to increase his guilt. When he looks upon affliction, his gulf will swallow him up. Melancholy creates fears in the mind. It excites jealousies and impressions. I may allude to Psalm 53, 5. They were overwhelmed with dread, where there was nothing to dread. Number 5. Sin brings a man low in spiritual plagues. It brings many a one to a seared conscience into a spiritual lethargy Isaiah twenty nine ten. The Lord has poured upon you the spirit of a deep sleep and has closed your eyes. Men are brought low indeed when the sound of Aaron's bell will not awaken them. No sermon will stir them, they are like the blacksmith's dog which can lie in fast asleep near the anvil when all the sparks fly about conscience is in a lethargy once a man's speech is gone and his feeling lost he draws on a pace to death so when the checks of conscience cease and a man is sensible neither of sin nor wrath you may ring out the death bell he is past hope of recovery thus some are brought low even to a reprobate sense. this is the threshold of damnation number six sin brings a man low in temptation Paul began to be proud, and he had a messenger of Satan to buffet him, 2 Corinthians twelve seven. Some think it was a visible apparition of Satan tempting him to sin. Others, that the devil was now assaulting Paul's faith, making him believe he was a hypocrite. Satan laid the bomb of temptation to blow up the fort of his grace, and this temptation was so sore that he called it a thorn in the flesh. It put him to much anguish. Such temptations the godly often fall into. They are tempted to question the truth of the promises or the truth of their own graces. Sometimes they are tempted to blasphemy, sometimes to self-murder. Thus they are brought low, they are almost gone and ready to give consent. The devil nibbles at their heel, but God wars off the blow from their head. Number seven, sin brings one low in desertion. This is a deep abyss indeed, Psalm 88, 6 you have laid me in the lowest pit desertion is a short hell song of solomon five six my beloved has withdrawn himself and was gone christ not but the spouse was loath to rise off her bed of sloth and open to him immediately when the devil finds a person sleeping, he enters. But when Christ finds him sleeping, he is gone. And if the Son of righteousness withdraws his golden beams from the soul, darkness follows. Desertion is the arrow of God shot into the soul. Job 6 verse 4 For the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. He has sent his poisoned arrows deep within my spirit. All God's terrors are arrayed against me. The Scythians in their wars used to dip their arrows in the gull of asps that their venomous poison might torture the enemy all the more. So the Lord shot His poison arrows of desertion at Job under the wounds in which His spirit lay bleeding. God is called a light and a fire in Scripture. The deserted soul feels the fire but does not see the light. So dreadful is this that the most tormenting pains are but a pleasure compared to it. All the delights under the sun will administer no comfort in this condition. WORLDLY THINGS CAN NO MORE RELIEVE A TROUBLED MIND THAN A SILK STOCKING CAN EASE A BROKEN LEG. Psalm 88.15 I HAVE SUFFERED YOUR TERRORS, AND AM IN DESPAIR. LUTHER IN DESERTION WAS CLOSE TO DYING. HE HAD NO COLOR SEEN IN HIS FACE, NOR WAS HEARD TO SPEAK, BUT HIS BODY SEEMED DEAD, AS ONE WROTE IN A LETTER TO MELANCHTON. 8. SIN BRINGS MANY LOW IN DESPAIR. THIS IS A gulf WHICH NONE BUT REPROBATES FALL INTO. Jeremiah 18.11 You said, There is no hope. Despair is a devouring of salvation. It is a millstone tied about the soul, which sinks it in perdition. Despair looks on God, not as a father, but as a judge. It refuses a remedy. Other sins need Christ. Despair rejects Him. It closes the orifice of Christ's wound so that no blood will come out to heal. This is the voice of despair. My sin is greater than the mercy of God can pardon; it makes the wound broader than the plaster. Despair is a god affronting sin. It is sacrilege. It robs God of His crown jewels, His power of goodness and truth. How Satan triumphs to see the honor of God's attributes laid in the dust by despair! Despair casts away the anchor of hope, and then the soul must sink. What will a ship do in a storm without an anchor? Despair locks men up in impenitency. I have read of one Herbatus, who died despairing. He made his will after this manner. I yield my goods to the king, my body to the grave, my soul to the devil. Isaiah 38, verse 18. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for your truth. They who go down into the pit of despair cannot hope for the truth of God's promise. And this despair grows at last into horror and raving. 9. Without repentance, sin brings a man into the bottomless pit, and then he is brought low indeed. Sin draws hell at its heels. Psalm 9, verse 7. The wicked shall be turned into hell, not to speak of the punishment of loss, which divine think is the worst part of hell, to be separated from the beatific sight of God, in whose presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 16, verse 11 the punishment of sense is bad enough, the wrath will come upon sinners to the uttermost, 1 Thessalonians 2.16. If when God's anger is kindled but a little, and a spark of it flies into a man's conscience in this life, it is so terrible, what will it be when he stirs up all his wrath? Psalm 78.38. How sad was it when the infidel Spira, when he only sipped of the cup of wrath, he became a madman. His flesh wasted away, and he became a terror to himself. What is it then to lie steeping in hell? Some may ask, where is hell? But as Chrysostom said, let us not be inquisitive where it is, but rather let our care be to escape it. But to satisfy curiosity, hell is some infernal place. It lies Lo, Proverbs 15, verse 24. Hell beneath. This is a Puritan and audiobook podcast, "The Mischief of Sin," by Thomas Watson.